today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Now we get to the second half of the tribulation, chapter 15 through 19. As we move into chapter 15, we see that again, it's the prelude of the coming of that final, that great tribulation. Here is where we see seven more angels, the seven last plagues. But before they're released, we see another time of worship that's going on in the heavenlies. I think that that's awesome. During all of these trials, heaven is still worshiping because again, God remains who God is. We, we see that, once again, assuring us that all through this, God is in charge. God's covering, God's protection are on those that are His. Pastor David has been walking us through the Bible in a year. Although he did not make his goal of 12 months, he finishes up his teaching today after 18 months. The book of Revelation is full of mystery, allegory, and future events yet to come. Although we cannot currently interpret it all, it will someday become our history. Every book of the Bible is important but you do not need to understand all of Revelation to be saved. Jesus is the one way to salvation. Have you chosen to follow him? Now, here's Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 11 as he continues his message, The End and the New Beginning. move into the second half of chapter 8 here and on into chapter 9. Going through these very quickly and without any interpretation on any of this, but just kind of give you an overview of it. Chapter 8, verse 7, the first trumpet, hail and fire mixed with blood, fell to the earth, a third of the trees, all the green grass died, whether that's symbolic or literal, we'll save that for another day. Uh, Second trumpet, verses 8 and 9, there was something like a a great mountain with fire that was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned to blood. Again, symbolic or literal for another day. The third trumpet, verses 10 through 11. A, A burning star from heaven fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of the water. He tells us the waters became bitter like wormwood, and many of those who drank that water died from it. The fourth trumpet, verses 12 through 13. A third of the sun, moon, and stars were darkened. Then an angel begins flying around declaring, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So in other words, you've had four and you think that's bad? It's going to get worse because there's three more that are coming down the pike and it's just going to continue to get worse. So chapter 9 begins with that fifth trumpet, a long portion here, verses 1 through 12. This trumpet blast again comes with the giving of a key to a fallen angel that allows him to open the bottomless pit 
This then allows smoke to come out and covers the earth. And then out of that smoke come locusts who ta- whose tails are like scorpions. And they, they're told not to harm those on the earth that have the seal. That's the 144,000. Don't harm them. But the rest of the men, they torment to the point that men desire death, but they can't find it. And by the way, the angel's name we read here in, in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, he has the name of Apollyon. Both of those names, Abaddon and Apollyon, they mean destroyer or destruction. And again, very easy to look at that and see that symbolically, it's probably Satan. And then in verse 12, we read, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming. So now you got the sixth trumpet, verses 13 through 21. With this comes the release of 200 million man army to bring absolute chaos and more plagues upon the earth. But those who are not killed, uh, verse 20 says, they still do not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. We're talking about people who, again, the Spirit of God has not been able to penetrate their hearts because of the hardness of their hearts. They're totally against everything, and they're going to continue to live their life against God in every way they possibly can. Chapters 10 through 14 is kind of a middle section here. As we move into chapter 10, uh, there's a, a short hiatus, actually a break from the trumpets, until chapter 11, verse 15. In chapter 10, seven thunders speak out, but they're told to seal up what these thunders declare until the end of the end. There, there wouldn't be any delay. It's going to keep on going, for as the, the seventh trumpet sounds, the mystery of God is going to be finished. That's what he says in verse 7. Now, in verses 8 through 11, John is given this little bitty book. He's told to eat it, and again, symbolically, to to absorb it in, into his whole life, into his being, whatever exactly, you know, how that is. Uh, it says that there was going to be bitterness in, in what's, uh, what's there. It's going to taste sweet in its mouth like honey, very similar to what happened to Ezekiel. And again, when we look at this, is this, again, the, the proclamation of the prophecies, the coming judgments, and again, that, uh, again, it, it's a hard thing to be able to declare great destruction, great devastation. Particularly, man, you know it's going to happen, and your heart breaks because of it. And I think that might be a picture that we see of that little book. Chapter 11 moves us into the period of God's final plea with man to repent. Become part of the kingdom because that great tribulation is going to come. You've had a tribulation prior to this, but it's going to get even worse. It's in chapter 11 where we see the two witnesses. They're brought, they're given to testify of the Lord, but they're killed and they leave their bodies laying out on the streets for three and a half days and people begin to celebrate. They even bring, it becomes a holiday, a world holiday. But at the end of those three and a half days, they're resurrected and they're brought up into heaven. And at that point you would think, my gosh, who am I fighting against? I need to surrender to whoever that is because of the might and the power. But that's not the heart of wicked man at this point. An earthquake comes, it destroys a, a, a tenth of the city, uh, which we believe is Jerusalem. 7,000 people are killed. That's in verse 13. And then in verse 14, we read, okay, the second woe is past. 
but behold, the third woe, it's coming quickly. So now we see in verse 15, the seventh trumpet brings about another time of worship and praise in the throne room of God. The opening of the Ark of the Covenant was, was one more sign, literally a man's rejection of God's love. That opening of the here's here's my law, and you've rejected it. This is who I am, and they continue to reject it. Man continues to reject God's love, God's offer of forgiveness. Uh, when we move into chapter 12, they introduce the woman and the child and the dragon. It's, in essence, the storyline of Israel, the birth of Christ, and Satan himself trying to destroy the plan of God even before the baby is born. That baby is Jesus. Look what it says in verse 5. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. In other words, after his resurrection and his ascension. Much of what we understand about Satan and the demonic hordes are actually taken from this 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. Here in the 12th chapter of Revelation, we know that he's a fallen angel. We know that he took a third of the angelic host with him when he fell. That is the demonic entities that are alive and real today that continue to do his bidding. Thirdly, we know that his names are the serpent of old. And when you say the serpent of old, your mind ought to go back to Genesis chapter 3, that serpent that was the deceiver of Eve that caused Eve and Adam to fall. But he's also known as the devil and Satan. When we get to chapter 12, he tells us of the rise of the beast. That beast is separate from Satan. Uh, he's separate from the dra- or Satan, who is the dragon. And as a matter of fact, we read where the beast actually receives his power from the dragon. Chapter 13, look at verse 2. The dragon, who is Satan, gave this beast his power, his throne, and great authority. Then we read that the beast has a mortal head wound, and yet he was healed, and the world marveled. We see that in verse 3. The world begins to worship the dragon or Satan himself. That's verse 4. Then another beast comes up who is subservient to the first beast, uh, and yet he exercises all the same authority as the first beast. He's given the opportunity to do all kinds of signs and wonders. Look what it says, chapter 13, down in verse 16. Speaking of the second beast. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Is that going to happen? Absolutely. I believe that, again, this Antichrist is going to rise up. He will be one who will control. He will control the economy. There's no doubt about it. But personally, I believe I'm going to be in heaven. I believe the church is going to be in heaven. But if we're not, gang, be prepared to, again, stand for Christ even unto death. Suddenly, chapter 14, we take a complete change of location, change of direction. Focusing in on that 144,000 speaks of their separation, of their preservation. But then we read of the wrath of God uh, coming upon those that worship the beast and his image. That's in verse 9. Those that receive his mark on their forehead or on their hand. We read of the reaping of the the earth's harvest, uh, not a good thing, 
as those who are harvested off the earth. Verse 19 tells us that they're going to be thrown in the great winepress of the wrath of God. The winepress was trampled outside the city. The blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furloughings. In other words, a lot of blood, uh, a lot of destruction at that point. Now we get to the second half of the tribulation, chapter 15 through 19. As we move into chapter 15, we see that, again, it's the prelude of the coming of that final, that great tribulation. Here is where we see seven more angels, the seven last plagues, but before they're released, we see another time of worship that's going on in the heavenlies. I think that that's awesome. During all of these trials, heaven is still worshiping because, again, God remains who God is. We, we see that, once again, assuring us that all through this, God is in charge. God's covering, God's protection are on those that are his. Chapter 16 brings out the pouring out of the seven bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth and the fullness of the seven years of the tribulation known as the Great Tribulation. This is being poured out again on, on rebellious mankind. We don't read of anyone else at this point in time, anyone repenting during this time on. Only this continued rejection of God and this desire to come against him in any way possible. Man has been totally blinded by their sin. They've been totally sold out to Satan at this point. Bowl number one, uh, chapter 16, verse two, loathsome sores that come upon them. Uh, Bowl number two, verse three, every living creature in the sea dies. Guys, that is a catastrophic uh, ecological, uh, ecological destruction that, again, man, the place is going to be an absolute mess. It, but it gets worse. Verses four through seven is bowl number three. Fresh water rivers and springs, no longer drinkable. Bowl number four, verses eight through nine. A breakdown of, I, I believe, our protective atmosphere. Men are being scorched by the sun at that point in time. But we find out there in verse nine, but they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they didn't repent or give him glory. Verses 10 and 11, bowl number five, darkness and, and pain coming upon the whole earth and, and, and the kingdom even of the beast, they, uh, or the kingdom of the beast. But again, verse 11 tells us, but they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pain, because of their sores, they did not repent of their deeds. Bull number six, verses 12 through 16, actually a, a prelude to chapter 19 as the Euphrates dries up. It makes a land bridge there for the invading armies that we'll look at in chapter 19. They're all going to come to a place called Armageddon. Verses 17 through 21, bowl number seven, uh, in essence, it is done. This is the final plague that's being poured out uh, on man. The end of the end is now at hand. And yet even at that, verse 21 says, great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And men continued to blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Chapter 17 is the judgment against the great harlot, the mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. There is so much speculation about who this woman is, the mother of harlots. Everything from political systems to religious systems, from governmental powers to literal cities uh, and, and, and ones within those cities that have power over the kings of the earth, is what it says. She has power over the kings of the earth. But the purpose of this 
overview isn't to go into detail, so I'm not going to go there. But suffice it to say that here in chapter 18, Babylon, whoever that is, whoever authority that is, she falls. She's destroyed, actually, by what gave her the power to begin with. Look what it says, chapter 17, verse 16. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. Remember, she was riding the beast before. They will hate the harlot. They will make her desolate and naked. They'll eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Some see chapter 17 as kind of the religious side of Babylon, and chapter 18 is kind of the commercial side, because in chapter 18, the world begins mourning her death, mourning the death of mystery Babylon. Look down in verse 11 of chapter 18, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. If nothing else, we look here and we see there's this great worldwide economic collapse. But while the world mourns, guess what? Heaven is still rejoicing. Look in verse 20. Uh, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Look at verse 23. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. Now that Babylon is destroyed, Chapter 19 begins with all of heaven rejoicing again, and then they call for the time of that great marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when the bride of Christ, again, is called to that great table. And this is the exciting thing for you and I, looking forward to that great marriage supper of the Lamb. Look at chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who is the wife of the Lamb, church? We are, absolutely, the church. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, and the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Then after the great wedding feast comes a final battle comes again, verse 11 and following, tell us of Jesus coming on his white horse uh, with the, the sword coming out of his mouth. The armies of heaven come and Jesus comes with a rod of iron. He brings the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. He truly is king of kings, Lord of lords. The beast and the false prophet down in verse 20, they are cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Verse 21, and the rest are killed with a sword which proceeded out of the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now chapter 20 is the millennial reign of Christ. Satan himself is caught. He's bound for a thousand years. Do not ask me to explain to you why he's bound for a thousand years and then loosed again. God has reason. God has a purpose. My best understanding of that is man will not have an excuse. Remember the old uh, Flip Wilson thing, the devil made me do it. We will not have that excuse. Uh, Again, when we turn against God during that time, it's because our own human flesh will do it. But again, I don't believe that we are going to be there. Revelation 20, 
verse 2, an angel coming down from heaven lays hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who's the devil and Satan, binds him for a thousand years, casts him into a pit, uh, shuts him up down there, set a seal on him. He shouldn't deceive the nations anymore for a thousand years. After these things, he's going to be released for a little while. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be loosed again. He's going to go out. Verse 8 says he's going to deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. There's a lot of studies on who Gog and Magog are. They're going to be gathered together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They're going to go up to the breadth of the earth, surround the camp of the saints, the beloved city, and then guess what? They're not even going to be able to draw a weapon. It says that fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. After this, guys, is the great white throne of judgment. Anyone not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Chapters 21 and 22, the new heavens and the new earth. And as we move into these final words, you need to realize every material thing that you know of, every material thing that you see, every material thing that you touch, guess what? It's all gonna burn. It's all going to burn. Everything that we have here is going to burn. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth in which righteousness dwells. All things are going to be made new. It's going to be so totally different than anything you and I know now. In chapter 21, uh, all that we know is going to be changed. One of the seven angels speaks to John saying, come, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Well, again, who's the bride of the lamb? We are. But look what the angel says about her here in chapter 21, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me, I'm going to show you the bride of the lamb. And so what does he show him? The great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And the description goes on and on throughout that chapter. There's a lot of people that say, You're going to, we're, we're going to be in heaven forever. Guess what? Revelation chapter 21 says we won't be. Revelation chapter 21 says we're going to be on the new earth. Revelation 21, we are here, but God is with us here. And again, no need for light. The lamb itself becomes the light. Chapter 22, and we close with this. Here's where we find that final rest, that final promise of his coming. Chapter 22, look down in verse 3. There'll be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. There shall be no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Down to verse 6. And he, the angel, said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of all the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Verse 20, he who testifies of these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.
Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word. Make us more.